We're going to get going. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Y'all, I have the privilege of introducing the speaker this morning. Uh, My name is Jared. The speaker is going to be Dan Edelin. Dan is one of my best friends. I love Dan, y'all. Man, there's so many things that I appreciate and enjoy in my friendship with Dan. Uh, One of the things that was coming to mind this morning is Dan is so convinced of the worthiness of Christ to be worshipped all over the world. Uh, And and so Dan, his life has been transformed by God in college, uh, and he's someone who loves and enjoys God so much that he desires to share that with others, and not, not just others who are like him in his area, but people all over the world. Uh, And and so, y'all, I've had the privilege of getting to know Dan over the past five years, and not only that, but I've gotten to travel all over the world with Dan. Um, We've gotten to uh, have some incredible, make some incredible memories, and see how God is building his kingdom uh, in in Asia, and and in the Middle East, and all these other places, and so it's been been a privilege. Uh, Not only that, but uh, Dan, Dan's been a good friend to uh, to, to invest in me and, and be willing to do the things that I love to do. So I love to surf. That's kind of random, but I love to surf in the ocean. Uh, and just a, about a year and a half ago, we go to Japan, and I am surfing on some waves that are way out of my league, and they were even further out of Dan's league. But this dude got in the water with me, and we had a near-death experience uh, but but we survived and we're here and Dan is Dan's able to speak this morning so praise God for that and so Dan is a risk taker um, but y'all seriously I couldn't think of anyone more qualified to answer these two questions how do I walk with God post grad and how do I make disciples post grad that is Dan's job he lives he meets with hundreds of people every year to answer those two questions how do I walk with God and how do I make disciples after I graduate college. He's put on several conferences. He's invited experts in. He's studied this topic. And so, man, Dan has a lot of wisdom. And so y'all, y'all lock in and let, let's give a big round of applause for Dan Edelin. Thanks, Jared. If you were here last year, the story I told about almost dying in Tokyo was with Jared. Uh, he was crying when we got out. It was really fun. Uh, but how are you guys doing? Are y'all enjoying SMC? Sweet. Yeah, it's fun. I didn't go to the rave last night, but I heard it was really fun. But one of my favorite parts about SMC is this thing called SM Ski. Is anyone in here going to SM Ski after this? Let's go. We're going to Aspen. And so if you don't know what SM Ski is, um, some schools every year after SMC go on a ski trip. And so I actually grew up going to Aspen. I love to snowboard. It's one of my favorite things. And so a couple years ago, we were going and I'm pretty good. I wouldn't say I'm great. I can hold my own. Uh, But a few of my friends who are really, really good skiers told me, hey, Dan, let's go on a double black diamond extreme terrain. And so if you don't know what that is, double black diamonds like the hardest run. And then an extreme terrain is just like it's not groomed. There's trees, there's rocks. And so I'm like, okay, we get up there. um, And this is literally, oh, the projector turned off. You want to see if you can click that button right there? If not, we might roll without the slides. Um, Jared, could you help me out? Maybe check the computer. But I'll keep going. It's right under here. See if it's off. Um, But I'll keep going. So I'll paint the picture for you. We get up to the top, 
And we walk up to the edge, and I strap in, and there's basically these two rock cliffs and a chute going down the middle. Um, and I get up to the edge, and it's like whiteout blizzard. Um, and I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm looking over the edge, and I'm like, man, what did I get myself into? And so I kind of strap up my boots, uh, put my helmet on a little tighter, and we go. And guys, it was awesome. Um, I wish I wasn't that scared, but the reality is that can kind of feel like what it looks like uh, to stand on the edge of college, thinking about graduation, being like, man, what did I get myself into? I started following Jesus in college. Um, I'm about to do this for the rest of my life, and so what does that look like? And so as I share with you all today about faith in the real world and making disciples of all nations for a lifetime, I just want you all to know why I share that. And so, like Jared said, part of my job is that I've gotten to meet with hundreds of students over the years and just talk about this. What does it look like to follow Jesus and make disciples for a lifetime? People going into the marketplace, people going into full-time missions overseas, into ministry, people going to different cities for work, different countries. Uh, but all of them sat in your shoes, right? They were at SMC, maybe at a breakout like this, saying, I want to do that, right? But the reality is, some of them are, some of their, them are continuing to walk with Jesus, grow in their faith, and impact people for Christ, and some aren't. And so I share these things today, not because I get a pat on the back. If you guys go do that, I probably won't see 95% of you guys after today. Um, but here's my reasons. I have two reasons why I'm sharing this today, and then we'll jump in. Um, number one is because Jesus is so incredibly worthy of your life, of your worship, and of your labor. There's nothing else, I think, that you could give your life to that will come close. Knowing him and making him known is what you were made for. We heard that from TA uh, during the second main session. And then number two is because I genuinely believe that the life of a laborer or a disciple maker is so much better than a life lived for things of the world. Jesus says that he came to give life and life to the full, and I believe him. I believe him, even when it's hard and when it's costly. And so those are my reasons. It's why I do my job and why I'm talking to you today about faith in the real world, and more specifically what we're talking about today is walking with Jesus and making disciples of all nations for the rest of your life. So for real quick, one minute, turn to the person beside you and talk about some things that are a little scary as you think about graduation. I'll bring us back. There we go. All right, you guys bring it back. I think the projector's warming up. Bring it back. Um, there's the picture you missed. It'll probably get clearer in a second. But if you can see it, there's those cliffs I was talking about. It was pretty scary. So uh, anyways, okay, let's keep going. Um, so we're going to talk about today faith in the real world or what it takes to walk with Jesus and make disciples of all nations. And so what we're going to talk about, if we want to walk with Jesus and make disciples of all nations for a lifetime, we need to labor, right? So you have that handout. If you want to take some notes on there, if you want to take notes on your own, that's great, but what we're going to talk about is how walking with Jesus and making disciples of all nations requires us to labor. And the first thing that we need to do if we want to walk with Jesus and make disciples for a lifetime is to love Jesus. It's to love Jesus. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 38 says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Before we do anything for Jesus, we need to love Jesus. If we want our faith to last in the real world, we need to remain in him, walk with him, abide in him. In John 15, 
Jesus actually says some pretty drastic things about what it looks like to love him. So let's jump in to John 15 and, and see what Jesus says about following him. It's up here if you want to join there, John 15, starting in verse 5. It says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus is talking. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Guys, Jesus tells us very plainly in verse 5, he says, apart from him, we can do nothing. In verse 6, it says, if we don't remain in him, we're going to be like a branch that is thrown away. Yet the opposite is also true. If we're committed to him, if we remain in him, other translations say if we abide in him, basically if we love Jesus and we walk with him, verse 5 says we'll bear much fruit. And then verse 8 says that we will do that, show ourselves to be Jesus' disciples and bear fruit that will glorify God the Father. Jesus makes it clear there's two simple realities, right? If we love him, we will remain in him, we will walk with him, we'll abide in him, and that will lead to a life that bears fruit to the glory of God. And, and if not, if we don't love Jesus, if we don't abide in Christ, if we don't walk with him, we'll do nothing, right? And we'll be like this branch that withers and is thrown into the fire. We won't have a faith that lasts in the real world. Much less than that, we won't live a life that glorifies God, that produces fruit as we continue to love Jesus and make disciples post-grad. But the reality is committing and growing in your love for Jesus after you graduate is going to be harder. I know it's probably been hard for a lot of you guys. This might be the first time in college that you've really started to invest in a relationship with Jesus. But go ask your friends who have graduated. Guys, newsflash, it gets harder. It does. Um, you'll have a lot less time than you did in college. You'll probably have less people around you that have the same convictions. There will be more opportunity to compare if you're like me to say, man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing maybe better than them, or man, I'm not doing very good when I look at them. But again, the ask is clear from the day that you gave your life to Jesus, that he's the Lord of your life, that he's the first priority, that he's the king, and your commitment is to him, and that you love him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And so that means that you do that in a radically different way. That means that you do that over friends, over ho a hobby, over money, over a job, even over Christian things. And so if you want to be a lifelong laborer, if you want to make disciples of all nations and have a faith that lasts in the real world, you need to love Jesus. And if not, in the words of Jesus, we're going to do nothing, right? And so that's true in college, and it's true after college. But I think that his way is better, and he says that. Just a few verses later, Jesus says that he came to give joy. In John 15, 11, he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 10, 10, he says, I have come to give life and life to the full. Guys, I believe him. I believe him when he says that. How many of you guys know what this is? It says it on there. Where are my boys at? We're dropping after this. Uh, no, but uh, if I'm being honest, I played a lot of Fortnite in college. OG Fortnite just came back. Spent a little too much time uh, with some college guys playing. But no, in college, me and a couple of my roommates and a guy on staff, we started playing a lot of Fortnite, and I was pretty good. So we would win a lot, and I remember there was a day where me and my friend Ryan were sitting in our living room with a guy named Jason, and we just got a dub. And when you get a dub, it feels good. And 10 minutes later, our stats class is starting. And I look at Ryan, and I say, dude, 
we got to get a back-to-back dub. We're not going to stats class, right? And so it started to reorder some of the priorities in my life, right? I would skip class. I would spend time with friends uh, just to play Fortnite. And so that seems silly, right? But that's, that's what it should look like with us in our walk with the Lord, right? Are you going to continue to love Jesus with all your heart, soul, and mind? Is it going to reorder the priorities in your life? And what I'm not saying is go back to college, skip class, just spend five hours in the Word. Um, But I think there's a way to organize your life in which Jesus is your first priority. Um, And so if we, and before we discuss, we're going to have some discussion questions. If you're in this room and you haven't begun a relationship with Jesus, if you're coming to SMC and you're a junior or senior, and this is kind of the first time you've really heard about this, I want to make it clear that everything that we talk about from this point on flows out of a personal relationship with Jesus, out of a love for Jesus, that because of our sin, we were separated from God. We could not have a relationship with him, but God who loved us sent his own son to live the life that we could not live, died on the cross, paid for our sins, rose again, defeated sin and death so that we could have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. And he's offered that relationship to you through grace. And so if you haven't made that decision, I just want to encourage you. I think the rest of this talk will feel a little weird if you have not made that decision. So just want to encourage you that. And then if you have made that decision, this is a reminder that when you graduate in college as you're part of STUMO, we should labor out of a love for Jesus, out of a place that, man, God has been so kind to us that I want to be a part of what he's doing. And obedience should bring joy. With that being said, take a couple minutes and discuss these questions with the people around you. We're going to keep rolling. If you want to keep, if you want to take the pictures of these questions and discuss more after, feel free. I'll leave this up here for a minute, but we're going to keep rolling and we're going to have some more discussion questions later. So this should just hopefully be the start of some of these conversations. This breakout is not going to tell you all the decisions that you need to make and the things that it, exactly practically what it's going to look like for you so feel free to take a picture but we're going to keep going um not yet okay guys i want to share something a little embarrassing with y'all um there's this thing that i do whenever i travel um and so it happened here at smc i literally like prepped this talk and it still happened i was thinking about it but it happens so often when i travel i don't know what it is maybe i get out of my routine Maybe I'm busy, we're setting up for SMC, or I'm just tired. I don't know, but sometimes uh, when I travel, probably 40 to 50% of the time, I wake up after the first night, and I forget to brush my teeth. I know, maybe I'm just gross. I don't know what it is. Uh, But guys, it's kind of like walking walking with Jesus. It's like, man, I've done it thousands of times. It should be second nature, right? But sometimes I just kind of forget to walk with Jesus, or even to make disciples, Um, And so at this point, for some of you, maybe it doesn't quite feel like brushing your teeth. Maybe it's not that simple. Um, But maybe you wake up most mornings and you get in the Word. You spend time with God. You spend time in prayer. You're memorizing Scripture. Maybe you're going to a small group every week where you're being held accountable in your walk with God and what it looks like to make disciples. Maybe you're praying for some friends that you want to see come to know Jesus. Maybe it's natural for you and your love for them to go and share the good news of Jesus with them. Maybe you're even sitting here with some friends that God used you to lead to Christ, right? But I think the reality is just like me brushing my teeth, just because you know how doesn't mean that you will. Just because you don't know how, just because you know how doesn't mean that you will, you'll need accountability, right? And so this next point is accountability or accountability and community. 
Uh, there's a guy named Brian Smith. He's actually giving the main session talk after this. I didn't know this when I was prepping this, but some of you all know who Brian Smith is. Some of you don't. Um, Brian worked on staff with Stumo for 20 years, right? So this was his job, walking with Jesus, making disciples. If you're a guy in this room and you go to college in Texas, there's probably a 50% chance that you have a relationship with Jesus or have heard about Jesus because of Brian Smith, right? He impacted the guy that impacted the guy that impacted the guy that led me to Christ. Um, and so I remember we had this conference called Lifelong Labors Conference, and I asked Brian if he'd come speak to people. He, he left Stumo to go help seniors who are graduating walk with Jesus and make disciples in the real world, right? And I remember he gets up there, and he starts listing off. He's like, man, I've led more Bible studies than you guys. I've had more quiet times. I've memorized more scripture. I've shared the gospel. I've led more people cr to Christ than most of y'all. And he didn't say this, but probably than most of us combined. And you know what he said? He said, after all of those things, for the first time in 20 years, I didn't have accountability in my walk with God in laboring. And he said he just kind of forgot to do it, right? 20 years, his full-time job was to walk with Jesus and make disciples. And he just forgot, right? And so I think, again, it's not that you might not know how, but you might forget. And so if you want to walk with Jesus and make disciples of all nations for a lifetime, you need accountability and community. I think Acts 2 is a great picture of what that looks like. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. I'll have it up on the screen. Uh, in my Bible, it's titled The Fellowship of the Believers, right? Kind of like the community of believers. Here's what it says. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Guys, God's people living in God's design produces God's fruit. God's people living in God's design produces God's fruit. Verse 42 says the believers devoted themselves. They were together and had everything in common. They met together da daily. Guys, they were just doing life together, right? They were selling possessions, giving to anyone that had need. They had community that was spurring them on, and they were living on mission together. And the result, they praised God. They enjoyed the favor of all the people, and they saw people come to faith daily. How many of you guys have been to a Kaleo before, by a show of hands? Sweet. So maybe most of you guys, right? I think in Acts 2:42 we see a picture of people who are committed to accountability and community in the ex most extreme sense. I'm, I'm imagining the sacrifice it took to spend time together daily, to give up comforts and possession, to sit under the teaching of the word um, for the sake of Jesus and each other, and then their faithfulness to go and tell people about Jesus and then saw people come to faith. That's a lot of what I feel like Kaleo is, right? It feels like Acts 2, teaching, fellowship, community, worship. And man, people come into Christ almost every day, it feels like. And so if you're in this room, if you haven't been to Kaleo, or maybe you're thinking about going again, I just want to encourage you. I think it is one of the best places for you to understand what it looks like to have deep accountability and community in your life. I have so many friends that weren't involved with Stumo who, as I talk about Kaleo, were like, man, I wish I had something like that in college that would have set me up well, not to know exactly what my community is going to look like, but to give me a really good picture of what deep accountability and like-minded community 
looks like. I think the most significant decisions that I have made every year is who my accountability and who my community is and who I live with. And so as you think about graduation, those are two things to think about. Who is going to be your accountability and community as you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus and you want to continue to make disciples? And then, hey, who are you going to live with? And maybe even for some of you, who are you going to marry? Um, I think those are really important decisions. Who you're doing life with affects what your life will look like. There's a famous quote, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I think the Christian version of that could be, show me your community and I'll show you your future, right? And so I just, I want to encourage you guys. I know y'all are thinking about church, community, where you're going to live, the job you're going to take. But I think the number one most important thing that you can think through is who are the like-minded people with the same convictions as me? They're going to hold me accountable to the things that I want to be true of my life. Um, and so the question I have for you guys is what is it going to look like to commit to having accountability in like-minded community? I truly wish I could tell you that it was as easy as coming to a breakout like this, learning some things and walking away and figuring it out. But it's not. I think there's a ton of people that have sat in these chairs and two, three years out are like, man, I wish I would have thought more about those decisions um, and so I think usually when people don't commit to having accountability, there's kind of two things that I've seen happen, and I've seen this start to be true in my life when I don't have that. So the first one is their walk with God turns into more of a to-do list, or in light of this, they stop loving Jesus as much. And then number two, they stop making disciples, or in the words of Brian Smith, they just forget to labor. And so if your community around you is not committed to walking with Jesus and making disciples, why would you? Why would you be easier to have a fun group of people that you meet with once a week and encourage each other? I don't think that that's bad, but if you don't have accountability and community and the things that you want to be true of your life, I don't think it's going to be happening. And I think God's called you to more than just a fun group of people that call themselves Christians. I think he's invited you into a life of seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness. He's given you a commission for your life to go and make disciples. And I think that community and accountability is a huge part of helping you to do that. Um, and so before we discuss, we're going to discuss again. I just wanted to give you guys an example of a couple people. Um, you know, I asked them the question, what's the most significant decision that you've made post-grad um, that has helped you to walk with Jesus and make disciples? And both of them actually talked about accountability. That wasn't what I was trying to do. But here's what they said. My friend Connor said this. He said, being a part of a deeply devoted group where you can have accountability and purity, spiritual disciplines, and ministry. If you take a lukewarm approach to finding community, you'll probably have a lukewarm ministry. Don't really need to add anything there. Uh, and then this is what my friend Matthew said. Matthew's lived in Austin. He's a traffic engineer, has been laboring for the last six years and walking with Jesus. He said this. He said, ultimately, we have to make a decision. Do I think that following Jesus will bring me the most joy? If so... Do I choose to believe that joy in the Lord and Jesus-centered community and accountability is going to bring more joy than a cool job or a fun place to live and other things of the world? And I can have a cool job and live in a fun place, but am I willing to primarily choose Jesus and make decisions specifically about him and community that will help me follow him? Or am I going to make decisions in light of my desires? I do and will continue to beat the drum that choosing Jesus and community centered around him and his commands will bring more joy and more glory to Jesus. Matthew and Connor decided to have accountability in their labor. Will you? Okay, go ahead and discuss these questions with the people around you, and then I'll bring us back, and we'll kind of 
get into the last couple points. All right, guys, bring it back. Sorry if you're not done. Snap a picture. Talk more about it after. We're going to keep rolling. Can we keep rolling? Um, but the next thing, hey, if you want to walk with Jesus and make disciples of all nations for a lifetime, you need to believe it and you need to own it. You need to believe it. You need to own it. We're going to talk about these things. And so what do I mean by believe it? Believe what? The Great Commission, right? Do you believe that Jesus' commission is to you individually and do you receive it as a commission from him? Is it something that you think is optional? Do you view it as a privilege? Do you believe it's God's plan A for your life and an integral part of the most fulfilling life that you can live? Do you believe that? Not because I'm standing up there, up here asking you, not because of Stumo or SMC or Kaleo, not because of the person discipling you, not because of your friends. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I want to read Matthew 16, 13 through 16 for y'all. I think it's up here. Um, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Hey, but what about you? What about you? Who do you say he is? Do you believe the last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven? Do you believe that he came to give you joy and life to the full? Do you believe that he was given all authority on heaven and on earth and over your life and that he gave you the great commission? Not just some other people, you. And then more than just believing it, are you going to own it? Are you going to own it? James 2 says this. I think this one's up here as well. James 2, 17 through 20. Uh, it says, so also by faith, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Hey, are you ready to own your faith? Are you willing to live a life that produces good works and obedience to the Father? Verse 19 says that even the demons believed, right? They believed that Jesus was the Son of God, but it, it was a mental ascent, right? But if you are in this room and you've made the decision to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's a different kind of belief, right? It's a different kind of belief. And one should produce obedience and works that glorify the Father, while the other is just a mental ascent, if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior. And so the next question again is, are you going to own your faith? Or said in another way, are you going to live it out? When you graduate, when you step into what's next, when you're probably not a part of Stumo, are you going to own it? Are you going to walk it out? When Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, is that something that you're going to let affect your life, your decisions, your time, your money, your relationships, your marriage, your job, your city, your country? Are you going to own it? And are you going to take personal responsibility for it again? Not because of me, not because of Sumo, not because of the person that's pouring into you, but is there a personal ownership of your faith? Bear with me. I want us to imagine for a second that Jesus was here at the faith in the wor real world breakout, right? And so close your eyes. 
Close your eyes. I know. Bear with me. Close your eyes. And imagine that he was here and Kanye West style, he comes up here and he grabs the mic from me. He says, Dan, I'm going to let you finish. But I don't know all the things he would say. I don't know what he sounds like. But just imagine him saying this. Keep your eyes closed. Imagine if Jesus is up here and he says this. He says, hey, everyone, hope you're having a good time at SMC. But before I leave, there's one thing I want to tell you. Before I leave Frisco, I go back to my dad's house. There's this one thing. So listen up. It's really, really important. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always until the very end of the age. Then he drops the mic and he goes back to his dad's house, right? You can open your eyes. Uh, Lucky for us, someone recorded the breakout and you can go listen to it anytime you want. Right? The reality is that that happened. Jesus said it to his disciples and he said it to us, but it wasn't a breakout. Matthew wrote it down and put it in your Bible. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you always until the very end of the age. Then he disappeared, right? And I didn't come up with that, right? It's not a breakout. You, it, someone just told that to you, and it was Jesus' words from 2,000 years ago, right? It's not a stumo thing. It's not the person who's been discipling you's thing. It's not an SMC thing. It's not a Brian Loritz thing. But would that change things for you guys? If Jesus was up here and gave that commission to you, would you believe it? Would you own it? Because he did. He did. It's not from me. It's not from stumo. Jesus gave it to you, and you need to decide as you're, as you're getting ready to graduate if you're going to believe in it, if you're going to own it, regardless of other people around you, are you going to own it? And unfortunately, guys, and it's hard, it's not the most common thing today, but again, are you taking personal ownership of this? And after college, are you going to do it regardless of where you live or what you do, what church you go to, what the people around you are doing? Are you going to own it? And you know what Jesus said to his followers in Luke 6? He said this, Luke 6, 46 through 49, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Guys, the questions are simple. Do you believe it, and will you own it? Hey, talk with the people around you about these two questions, and then I'll bring us back and close us. Hey, hey, last point. We're almost done. Almost done. Um, apologies right here if you're type A and this might drive you a little crazy, but I cheated a bit here because I didn't want it to be liable, so it's labor. The last one is to live radically. It's to live radically. Okay, we won't spend forever here. Um, I'm just going to share a few practical examples of people I know who I think have done this well and then give you guys a challenge as we finish, right? But when you love Jesus, 
when you have accountability, believe and own your faith, it should produce a life lived for him in total surrender. Or put it another way, it should produce a radical life, right? And so, again, not going to go talk a lot about this, just going to give you some examples. Let me see. Yeah, here we go. Um, And so, again, precursor, I'm not saying that I have the gold standard for what this should look like. Um, I'm not saying I know what it's going to look like for you. But again, just wanted to share some examples of people who I think have done this really well. Um, And again, I don't know where you should live, what job you should take, whether you should go into the marketplace, overseas, ministry. I just want to highlight these people. So I have a friend named Tom who graduated from UT and he started taking steps to go overseas. Um, And Tom realized that he needed to grow a little bit more in maturity in his walk with God before he moved overseas to do ministry, full-time missions with people who have never heard about Jesus. And so Tom said, I'm going to stick around for another year. I mean, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to try to labor here, and I'm going to continue to take steps towards going overseas. But Tom knew it was hard. He knew he needed some accountability, right, in some community. And so for the next year, he made two decisions I think were really impactful and really hard. And so number one, he told two of his best friends that he wouldn't live with them if they weren't willing to move in with some people that he knew would hold him accountable to taking steps in his faith. Uh, the house that they were going to live in was a much nicer house. It's in Mueller. It's like one of the nicer parts in Austin. It was cheaper, um, and it was with his best friends, right? But he said, guys, I'm not going to do it. I, I know I needed some accountability that's built in. And so he moved in to a house with some guys that would hold him accountable, and it was really beneficial. Uh, and then number two, Tom was like, man, I know that walking with Jesus and making disciples in the real world is hard. I have a lot of friends who have been doing it, and time is not something that I'll probably have a lot of, and so I'm going to be intentional in the job I take. And so Tom uh, is an architect, and he was going into custom home building, and he got an awesome job offer. And I remember him coming and talking to me, and he's like, man, this job's awesome. The pay's really great, um, and I, I could get another job like this, but I don't think I'm going to have very much time to do the things that I want to do over the next year. And so he turned the job down, not having another job offer, and he prayed, and he asked, Lord, would you provide a job for me so that I could do these things? And and he ended up getting a great job, and his boss was a believer, which was awesome. And over the last year, I've got to watch him take steps to grow in his maturity and his desire to move overseas. I think Tom is living radically. My friend Caleb is another great example of a guy who labors, right? He loves Jesus, has accountability, believes and owns the Great Commission, and has been living radically. Caleb's a lot of things. He's smart. He's hardworking. He's an incredible athlete. He competed in the CrossFit Games. He smokes me, obviously, anytime we work out together. Uh, But he's a man who loves Jesus. Uh, He graduated from UT, has been working a job while also going to PT school. Uh, But he's made a decision that he was going to lead groups that were focused on laboring in the marketplace and continue to grow his heart for the nations. And last year, he was discipling a guy who got to lead one of his coworkers to Christ, a guy that learned how to share the gospel and wanted to live on mission in the marketplace. And while he was doing that, Caleb was being committed to his disciplines, growing his heart for the Lord, taking classes on God's heart for the nation. And a couple months ago, Caleb quit his job, dropped out of PT school, and got on a plane to move to Tokyo, Japan, to live amongst Japanese people who are the second largest unreached people group in the world, right? Caleb is living radically. Lastly, I have a supporter uh, named Scott. He's about 60. He has no relationship with Stumo um, outside of supporting me. And about a year ago, he called me, and he told me 
that God was continuing to grow his heart to, to steward his time and his resources towards the Great Commission and, and that he had put 100% of his three companies into a giving fund, which I didn't know what that meant, but really it just meant that 100% of the profit from those three companies was going to be given away to people like Caleb or people in ministry, making disciples, giving to churches. Uh, and so 100% of those companies were in that giving fund. And like he would say, he never owned those companies anyway. He even has a board of directors that have to all agree on where that money goes as it's given away. Um, and more than that, he told me the more and more that he's grown in his love for Jesus, the more and more clear it has become that he wants to give his life for the Great Commission, whether that's his money or his own time to making disciples. Guys, Scott is laboring. So again, I don't share these things to say this is the gold standard, this is how to do it, but I want to challenge you that we need to make a commitment to labor for God's glory among all nations, whether that's staying here, making disciples, living radically, moving overseas, going into ministry, we need to labor. So I wanted to close with the story of a group of people who I think did that really well. Um, there was a group uh, back in the 1920s. Uh, it was a lot like this. It was called the Student Volunteer Movement, if any of you guys have heard of them. And so they were kind of at a conference like this, right? They were growing in their faith, hearing from the word. There was a, a guy talking about overseas missions, right? And he challenged them to consider, here, I have a picture, I think. Yeah, that was them. Mount Hermon was the place they were at. And he challenged them to consider committing their lives to foreign missions, to sharing the gospel with people who had no access to Jesus, to getting on a boat, sailing across the world, to tell people about Jesus, right? And he was praying, him and his friends were praying for a hundred people to sign this pledge card. So here's some pictures of them. There's like these little pledge cards, and they basically said, I am, I am desirous, Lord willing, to move overseas and commit my life to foreign missions. And at that conference, kind of like SMC, a hundred people signed the card exactly a hundred people signed that card and committed to going overseas for missions to share the gospel with people who didn't know Jesus. And then over the next year, 2,106 more people signed that card. And over like 30, 40, 50 years, 100,000 people signed one of these cards. 100,000 people signed these cards. They were college students committing to say, I'm going to give my life to the Great Commission 20,000 of those people actually got on a boat and sailed overseas and gave their life to foreign missions, and the other 80,000 stayed and held the rope or committed to making disciples where they were and supporting those who were going. You know what their motto was? The evangelization of the world in our lifetime. Talk about living radically, right? And so today I wanted to do something similar. I wanted to challenge you guys don't worry, I'm not challenging you guys to commit your life, to get on a boat for foreign missions for the rest of your life. If that freaks you out, you might want to pray about that with the Lord. And if it doesn't, I think you should still pray about it. Um, but I thought it would be cool, right, if I could challenge us to consider to committing to laboring for a lifetime, to making disciples of all nations for a lifetime, to loving Jesus, having accountability, believing in the Great Commission and owning it. And so don't sign the card right now. If you did, it's okay. Uh, but what I would love for us to do, there's a card under your seat if you didn't know that. little pledge card. Looks like some of the people figured it out. Um, so I changed it a little bit. Um, should look like this. Um, so what I would love for you guys to do is either at SMC or in the next week or two, just spend some time with the Lord and wrestle and ask him, hey, am I willing 
God, would you help me to commit to giving my life to the Great Commission, to making disciples of all nations for, the, for a lifetime, right? And so when you feel like that's true, when you want to make that commitment, sign the card. You're not going to give it to me. You're not going to give it to anyone else. That's for you and God, for you to make that commitment. But I think it would be cool if you kept that with you. Keep it in your Bible. Keep it with uh, your prayer cards and pray over it. Ask some people to hold you accountable to it, right? But I thought it would be a cool way for us, just like the people in the student volunteer movement, to commit to laboring for a lifetime. And I really believe, guys, that God wants to use us and use you and your labor to change the world, to bring him glory from people all over the world. Let me pray and we'll be done. Yeah, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for SMC. Thank you for everyone in this room, um, whether it's the first time like I was at my first SMC, really understanding what it could look like to have a relationship with you. Thank you for the people maybe in this room who have made that decision at SMC. Thank you for all the people in this room that you have brought to yourself and saved. Lord, thank you for giving us life and life to the full. And Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for the Great Commission and the privilege it is to get to tell people about a life that they could have with Jesus. That there's a God who loved them so much that he sent his own son to die in their place so that they could be with him. Lord, thank you for that privilege. And I just pray for all of us that you would be faithful to work in our hearts so that we could make a commitment to labor for a lifetime and that, that our faith would last in the real world, that this wouldn't be a college thing and that we would walk out of college confident that you want to continue to use us to live a life that's fulfilling and full of joy and for your glory. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, the main session, I think, is after this, but thank you. Y'all are dismissed. <laughs>